Welcome to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by APT Capital Group, where Kyle and Lalita talk to top experts and seasoned passive investors in the business to help provide clarity and key insights to keep you safe on your journey to financial freedom. Our goal is to help you get educated on how to create passive income for you and your family using real estate as your vehicle. If you enjoy the show, please go to iTunes and leave a rating and written review to help us grow and reach more listeners. Now, here are your hosts, Kyle and Lolita. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast. I'm your co-host, Lolita, also joined by Kyle. Before we get started, please make sure to head over to our website, aptcapitalgroup.com, and grab our free Passive Investor's Guide. And if you're interested in learning more about what we do, you can schedule a call with Kyle on our website as well. All right, let's get into our show. Today, we have Timothy Lyons joining us. Tim, welcome. How's it going? I'm doing great. How are you guys? We are doing great. Thanks for joining us. Before we head into the interview, here's a little bit about Tim. Tim is currently a lieutenant in the New York City Fire Department. Until recently, he has also worked part-time as an emergency room RN at a level one trauma center for eight years. Tim's initial goal with the real estate was to create passive income and in turn, be able to spend more time with his wife and three girls. After partnering on a multifamily property, he saw firsthand the power of real estate investing as an opportunity to create passive income and build wealth for his family. So great aspirations here. And we would like to take a deeper dive through your journey. But first, Tim, could you please take it from here and tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you currently do? Yes, absolutely. So again, thanks for having me on the show today. And this has been a journey that's been right around 13 months now. And it really all kind of got started because I could never sit still. I became a New York City firefighter two weeks after graduating college. And it was one of those things that I've always wanted to do. Santa Claus brought me a police scanner at eight years old and I attached it to my bike and I used to chase the fire engines all over town. And I never really grew out of it. Even when I was dating girls, if I saw a fire truck go by, I'd be like secretly wanting to go... (laughs) face the fire engine, you know? Anyway, go to college, 9-11 happens. And my uncle Al was a captain in the New York City Fire Department and he got crushed on the tower too, but he ended up coming out alive. And I think that day I just said to myself, I don't care what else happens. I'm going to be a New York City firefighter. So really fulfilling career. I've had tons and tons of great days, handful of really crappy days. But, you know, like a lot of firefighters do, they work on the side. Everybody has a side job. Because we work 24 hours on, and then we ha- we'll have between two and four days off. You might work a little overtime or whatever, but you have a lot of time to do something else. So a lot of guys went to the trades, plumbing, roofing, electric, stuff like that. I don't have any of those skills. So I was more of a computer type guy and doing odd jobs. And until I worked in a firehouse in Crown Heights, Brooklyn, and a couple of different guys were nurses. So I went to nursing school got my nurse's degree and I always had side work and I loved it, you know, because I was having an impact. I think the more that I get older, the more I want to do impact type work. And so, you know, between the firehouse and the hospital type stuff, it was great. What led me to real estate was that I was working 70, 80, 90 hours a week. And when my kids were super small, they didn't really talk back or they didn't, you know, make me feel bad as I was walking out the door because they didn't know any better, you know, but now they're nine, seven and almost a year and a half. I know I'm coaching teams and I'm leaving all the time. And they were like, Dad, where are you going? You know, and I was feeling it too. My wife was feeling it. Something had to change, you know. So summer of nineteen, I'm on the beach in the Outer Banks, North Carolina, and I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. That book had been in my firehouse travel bag for about two years and I never read it. 
I read it in two days. I couldn't put it down and it changed everything. You know, I remember sitting on the beach. I leaned over to my wife and I said, babe, I said, I'm going to be a real estate investor. And she said, sure you are, Tim. Yeah, whatever you say, you know. Four months later, I partnered on a three-unit, a small multi, right? Three units. And I haven't looked back. I was immediately hooked. I had a vision of maybe buying a ton of the three-family properties. But you know what? It just wasn't scalable. So that's really how I got started to real estate. And that was only 13 short months ago. Awesome. Well, thank you for your service. And thanks for that background. Let's talk a little bit about the three-unit deal. So how did you find it? What was your first experience with it? It's been over a year now. How's that going? And what about it kind of hooked you into real estate after you got that first deal? Yeah. So after reading that book, I did nothing but listen to podcasts. I started with Bigger Pockets, Keith Weinhold, Get Rich Education, Michael Blanc, Jake and Gino, the real estate radio guys. I mean, I just took in content like there was no tomorrow. And there was a couple of different themes throughout those podcasts was that you know single family rentals are great. It's a great way to get started. A lot of people start out like that because they think it's manageable. One unit, one house, one property until... You know, I heard somebody come on and talk about a quad or a triplex and how when one unit or two units were vacant, that they could maybe still pay the bills. And that really set off a light in my head. Like, I should really look at nothing but duplexes, triplexes, and quads. And that's what I really initially felt like I should be doing. So a friend of mine in town, our kids go to school together. I was talking one day and he's like, yeah, I would love to do something like that. Cool. You know, so we started looking. And two weeks later, we had an offer in on a house and negotiated to a a great price. And there was two occupied units. One was vacant. The house needed some work. So we threw a new roof on, some siding. We rehabbed the first floor unit by ourselves, putting in the luxury vinyl plank flooring. We had a painting party with our wives and a couple of bottles of wine and everything. And voila, we had that unit up and running and it was cash flowing. I will say it took a long time, longer than I expected. But I think I needed that proof of concept. I needed to be the landlord. I needed to be the person doing the work. I wanted to see what that felt like. But before long, it was cash flowing and we did a little bit better on our taxes in 2019. And my wife saw the checks coming in each month. And that's kind of how that ball got rolling. Yeah, awesome. You make it seem so simple and it really isn't that simple, but I guess it's how you make it, right? I mean, you mentioned it's not scalable. Was it because you had to do the work yourself or was there another reason kind of behind that? Yeah, I mean, a couple of things there, right? So my goal with real estate was to walk away from my hospital job and have that income replaced by real estate. Is that going to happen overnight? No. But I was working a lot rehabbing that first floor unit. Every time I wasn't in the firehouse, I was at Home Depot and spending hours upon hours figuring out and then putting down the flooring and finding some other issue and fixing this and painting that. So like, it took a lot of time. So the scalability of leaving the hospital and leaving a guaranteed paycheck every two weeks to diving into rehabs, I don't know that was going to be scalable and what I was exactly looking for. Number two was I was going to run out of capital. After like one more purchase like that, I would be done. So yeah, cool. I would have two threeplexes. I mean, that would be great. It'd be a great start, right? But I realized that I maybe had one more in me and then I'd be done. And number three was these are 100-year-old buildings. So even though I'm getting a good price and they're cash flowing, I mean, the CapEx tsunami that is going to be coming my way in the next X amount of years to me, is not scalable. So does it work right now? Yes, it works right now. But it certainly wasn't going to be a, let's buy 30 of these things. And you know, if I had to raise money for it, I mean, am I going to raise money for a 110-year-old building next? I mean, no. No one's going to want to invest in that. So that's really when I pivoted to the bigger multifamily space. 
Yep, love that. In your bio, you talk about bringing real-world management and leadership experience to your real estate investing career. Can you talk about how you do that? Yeah. So being in the greatest city in the world, right, New York City, I have been a part of some pretty spectacular things. You learn very quickly what's important, what's not important. You learn very quickly what can be delegated, what cannot be delegated. And I think in this business, and I'm still new at it, but being able to have a voice and and to use it when needed and when negotiating with either vendors, contractors, negotiations for a sale, but really being in the New York City Fire Department, we have a saying, just do the right thing. And when you're a landlord, it's a lot, right? I mean, you have a lot of responsibility. You have these people, that's their home. We view it as sometimes, you know, the spreadsheets and cash flow and cap rates and cash on cash return, but this is their home, right? So when they call me, and maybe it's not an opportune time, but you want to have the leadership and then management experience to take care of stuff when you say you're going to take care of it, do it the right way, do the right thing for them and operate with integrity. And I think on some level, there's a nice parallel between the firehouse upbringing that I had and then bring that over to the real estate space. Yeah, absolutely. So your initial goal was to free up your time. It sounds like you're not the type of person that likes free time, though. I mean, with everything that you got going on. But tell us how you're if you have had any passive investments, how those went. And could you see the light at the end of the tunnel being on the passive side of things? Yes. So my actual first passive investment was in a retail, a large retail mall, basically in Tennessee. And it was with my cousin's company. And I was offered the friends and family deal, you know, and it was before I even knew even had an underwrite or cap rates. Retail is a whole nother animal. So I had a ton of questions and he was patient with me and there went my money and I get a quarterly check, right? So far, so good. And I think that was also instrumental of being like, wow, okay, so you can invest money you can get a quarterly dividend. And at the end, when they sell it or they refinance it, I'm going to get my initial capital back, but still cash flow, and then potentially double or two and a half X my money. But I get the depreciation and I get the tax benefits and I get cash flow. I'm like, this is really powerful stuff. When you get your first K1 statement and you see the passive losses versus your passive income, you can quickly see that this is an amazing opportunity to have your money work for you while you're not answering the call. People always say, oh, what happens when the toilet overflows at three in the morning? I'm like, I don't know. I haven't gotten that call yet. But if I do, I'll take care of it because that's what we do. But the second one was a 250 plus unit syndication with a very successful syndicator that I really like. And it's because I liked him and I liked the property that I threw some money into a syndication because now I understand it. And to be quite honest, people ask me all the time, Tim, if you knew what you know now about syndications, would you have invested in that threeplex? And I got to be honest with you, I don't think I would have. Mm -hmm. But I will say on the one hand, I really enjoyed the landlording experience and kind of going through that process. But I can't say that I love it. I really see the power in the syndication model. So talk a little bit more of that. Why wouldn't you have done the threeplex? I get this question actually all the time. People say, hey, Kyle, I just want to get started. Should I just buy like a four or five plex? And I always tell them, begin with the end in mind. If you want to be someone that wants to be passive, not active, then you need to rethink your strategy. And also, do you want to be an active investor buying 100 plus unit apartment buildings? Well, buying a threeplex is not going to teach you really the process of syndication. So always begin with the end in mind, but would love to hear your thoughts. Here's where I struggle with my investors because people want control. People just want control in their lives. So they think, let me get a single family, duplex, triplex, quad, and I'm going to be in control and I'm going to get these things done. And they have the I'm a mentality. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. 
But what they don't realize is that the time that it takes very quickly gets stacked up. And whether it's driving to the property to take care of something, or even just making the phone calls, paying the bills, whatever it is, it takes a lot of time. You need systems in place. If you're not organized, then buying real estate maybe isn't for you anyway. But the passive model basically can take that same capital that you're going to put into a threeplex, put it with an established operator with a track record who can tell you, you know, here's what you're looking at for returns. You're going to get all the benefits of owning the real estate as if you owned the property yourself and you manage it yourself, except you don't have to do any of the work. The only work you got to do is your due diligence on the operator, your due diligence on the pro forma, on the underwriting, get your questions answered, fund the deal. And then all of a sudden, you're going to get a monthly or quarterly dividend check with depreciation, with other passive losses. It's one of those things where I think, and we can talk about this probably all night long, but because of the SEC rules, if you didn't know somebody who was doing something like this, if you weren't around the kitchen table talking about this or at this country club or whatever, you didn't know that it even existed. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of one of the hurdles that I face on a daily basis talking to investors is how come Tim, the firefighter and ER nurse knows about syndication and I don't, and I'm a Wall Street guy, I'm a doctor, I'm a lawyer, I'm a CPA, I'm a small business owner. I'm 55 and you're 38, Tim. How do you know about this? And I don't. It's really that education piece that I'm loving at this point because I believe in it. I've seen it on both sides, being on the general partnership side of two multifamily deals and then being on the passive side as well. So you are now focused more on being an active investor. Is that correct? Correct. Yep. Okay. So why did you make that move? Because in the beginning, you wanted more time to kind of free up and get the passive income. Why did you decide to go to the active route? So, you know, like we talked about at the beginning of the show, I was going to either run out of capital or I was going to have to start raising other people's money for 100-year-old buildings and realize that that wasn't going to be a scalable model for me. That's when I started looking into the larger multifamily. I didn't know anything about large multifamily a little over a year ago. And then the more research I did, I realized that a lot of people have coaches or mentors. And being from New York City, I have a healthy dose of skepticism built into my DNA. And I just could not wrap my head around paying somebody to teach me about multifamily investing. But I did. I mean, I came around, obviously. I did the pivot. I did it quick. And I knew that I needed to get the ball rolling. And the first week of March of 2020 is when I started my coaching. And obviously, we all know that that's right around the time that coronavirus hit. So even facing those headwinds, I went from zero units to 190 units in just under 13 months. So to me, that tells me if that's possible during COVID, if that's possible being a New York City fireman and an ER nurse and a regular guy who's a dad of three girls, if I can do it, then really anybody could do it. But at the same time, I can't sit still, right? So I went from the three family to the passive investments to now to the active general partnership side on syndication. Having said that, I've also resigned from the hospital. I resigned in February of this year because I needed to free up space. I mean, two jobs is a lot. Three was going to be too much, especially while homeschooling for the better part of the end of last school year and then the beginning of this school year. So that's really how I'm doing it now is that I walked away from the hospital job to be all in on this. Okay, awesome. So do you think that you are a better active investor now that you've also done passive investments? I would say yes. And the simple reason is that when someone's on the other side, especially when it's their first time being in a syndication, or they're even thinking about it, or they're just trying to dip their toe in the water. I've been there. I know from that retail passive investment that I really didn't know anything much about 
how nerve-wracking it can be. There's so many unknowns. How do I get that certainty, that comfort of placing my capital with somebody and not just relying on hope that it works, right? So having that experience and then being on the active side, communication is everything, right? I mean, people just want to know what's going on. And as on the active side, there's so much behind the scenes work that goes on that communications can sometimes be put on the back burner. And that's when I really like to just make that a priority in my practice to reach out to people, whether it's through active campaign with a mass email or just a one-off or a text or a call. Because when you get to talk to investors, you get to know that certain people want that certainty. Other people Mm -hmm. want that appreciation. Some people want significance. There's different types of investors. So once you get to really learn what they're all about and what they need, it's really kind of just having the experience from the passive side and just transferring it over to the active side. Since you're a passive investor now going through deals through COVID, what would you say the top three most important things from a communication standpoint that a sponsor's done on those have been? Just being upfront with the occupancy, right? I mean, we took over a building, a 43 unit, and immediately had six you know, units go dark on us. But that was a challenge to walk into what was a 100% occupied building and then all of a sudden have six vacancies. So but just telling the investors that, look, here's what's happening and here's what we're doing about it. And we anticipated something like this. So we already started the pipeline of screening new tenants. So just being upfront and having that communication with the investors. But at the same time, listen, this is COVID and there's so many unknowns. There's been so many unknowns on the general partnership side. And I'm still learning the business. But with the financing, with the banks, with the agency debt, with COVID reserves, how do you show apartments when there's a lockdown going on? Do you do virtual leasing? All that stuff had to be kind of brought up and it was brought up quickly because there really wasn't a playbook. There wasn't a pandemic multifamily playbook, as far Mm -hmm. as I know, that we could rely on to kind of get into this. So, I mean, there was a lot of moving pieces. Yep. Kyle, I hope I answered your question. I was just talking. No, that was good. No, I appreciate that. Lolita is going to take us into our final four questions. Are you ready? Mm Mm-hmm. Choosing the right insurance coverage for multifamily properties isn't that complicated, if you know who to talk to. At the Garzella Group, we're uniquely qualified to help you navigate the range of policy choices you have, and we're committed to saving you 30% in the process. We do intensive market research and have nationwide relationships, so we can find coverage other insurance brokers simply can't. We should talk. Go to quotenow.biz, and we'll start the conversation. Here we go, Tim. What is the one tool you use in real estate investing that you could not do without? Oh, you know what? That's my tribe. I had joined the Jake and Gino group for my education and the tribe that I've developed over the last six, 10 months, whatever it's been. It's been amazing. I mean, just having somebody to call, having a resource, instant knowledge, accountability, coaching, mentorship, love it. And that's been one of the most game-changing decisions that I've ever made. So definitely the tribe. Tell us a story about your biggest mistake in real estate investing so far and what is the main takeaway for our listeners? Oh, the biggest mistake. You know, I wouldn't call it a mistake, but I don't know that I'd do it again, was the three family. I mean, look, it's kind of like a double-edged sword, right? I mean, it got me my start. It got me the experience. Mm -hmm. But like we talked about, had I known what I know now, I probably would have just shot right into the multifamily space. Perfect. What is it that you need to do now to grow your life to the next level? It's just networking. It's getting myself out there. It's building out a platform of just being the expert in the space. I mean, having 
gone from zero to 190 units in 13 months. I mean, that's just a start, right? I mean, it's a great way to start. I've got in with some great people around me, but it's just a start. I need to keep on building, networking, talking to more investors, talking to more operators, talking to more brokers, because I feel really good about what the future holds, especially in 2021. And, you know, I started Cityside Capital with my brother, Greg, who lives in Virginia, and it's just been a great experience so far. So. Perfect. And finally, Tim, where can people find out more about you? Yeah, you can come check out our website at citysidecap.com. I'm also on Facebook and LinkedIn. My email address is tim at citysidecap.com. Awesome. Loved your story. Thanks for your time today and for being on our show, Tim. Yes. Thank you guys. Have a great night. Thanks, Tim. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please go to iTunes and leave a rating and written review to help us grow and reach more listeners. You can also go to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate group on Facebook so you can connect with Kyle and Lolita and ask your questions that you want them to answer on the show. Subscribe too so that you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, to stay updated, head on over to aptcapitalgroup.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with Kyle and Lolita, sign up on the Contact Us page so you can talk to them directly. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode.